Hello and welcome to the A to Z of Tech podcast where I can't believe I'm saying this, we have actually made it all the way through the alphabet to Z. So we'll be using this episode to explore Gen Z and its relationship, of course, with technology. So just for context, Gen Z is traditionally kind of roughly uh, 11 to 26 year old. So that's born between around 1997 and 2012. And of course, as there is with any generation, there are some stereotypes associated with that. So maybe the assumption that they're more comfortable or maybe even too comfortable with technology, with things like social media, with immersive technologies, or that they're more savvy when it comes to some of the opportunities that that type of technology presents. We're also going to be maximising this episode by releasing it as a double header. So for this first part of the podcast, I'm very excited to say that I'm joined in the studio for a roundtable discussion by four colleagues from across PwC who have some different perspectives on Gen Z and the relationship with technology. And the second part of this podcast, we're going to be talking to some experts about some of those topics that we're discussing in this roundtable. Personally, I am unfortunately quite a long way off being a member of Generation Z. I am what is rather depressingly referred to as a geriatric millennial. Um, So I'm very much feeling my age today, but we'll move (laughs) swiftly on from that. And instead, I will ask our four guests to introduce themselves. Um, So who should I turn to first? Salome, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. So my name is Salome. I'm a technology degree apprentice. So I'm studying computer science at Leeds, as well as working at PwC in consulting. And yeah, I was born in 2002. So definitely I'm a Gen Z and I identify with them a lot. So you're right in there. Yeah. (laughs) Eleanor. Hi, um, my name is Eleanor. I joined PwC back in September 2021 on the management consulting grad scheme. Um, I'm born in 1998, so kind of just on the cusp of being a Gen Z. Um, and I think maybe don't identify um, with all of the stereotypes. So really looking forward to discussing that later. Thank you. Shadia. Hello, I'm Shadia. Um, I am a 97 baby, so I also am on the cusp of just about qualifying for millennial, but also Gen Z. I joined the firm in October uh, of 2022, and I work in the corporate affairs team. Brilliant, thank you both. So both of you identifying as kind of being on the cusp of what it means to be Gen Z. So looking forward to hearing a bit about that. And last but not least, Ran. Hi, I'm Ran. Um, I used to be a science teacher, now have been at PwC for four years or so as an enterprise consultant. But on the side, I started over lockdown a TikTok channel, which is going to 50,000 school student followers, uh, giving career advice, science advice, personal statement, university application advice, all the stuff that it's called beyond the blackboard so all the stuff that you don't learn in the classroom is is the theme and i am bang in the middle of millennial so i i guess my perspective is a millennial trying to be cool and talk to gen zers at school (laughs) that's brilliant thank you all so much and i genuinely think we're going to have a really interesting discussion today so let's dive straight in um so i suppose the first question almost as a baseline is what would you say is your relationship with technology I can't imagine a world without technology. Like I was speaking to my dad and he told me that he went to uni without a laptop. And I was like, how? And even stuff like driving, like using Google Maps, I can't imagine using a paper map to get around to places. And 
I feel like I've seen technology grow, like, but not as much as some other people, like millennials, but because I've always grown up with it. But I feel like I'm very reliant on it now. I can't imagine a world without it. So no, no map reading. No, no map reading. You're not a skill I possess either. And Ran, I suppose we've already touched on the fact that you have this incredible platform that social media has given you. Could you tell us a little bit about your perspective on that and how actually you use that to interact with Gen, Gen Z or Gen Z? Yeah, sure. So I, I think, I, firstly, I was... I'm terrible with social media in general. I don't really update my, I haven't posted on Instagram for about three years. Um, and so, as I say, it was a lockdown project, this, this TikTok channel, and I just started posting content that I thought would be useful for students. And then, and then it just kind of went from there and I had a kind of few viral videos. Um, and now, as I say, have a school student following. And so I, for me, technology is really about communication it's opened up this huge avenue where you know perhaps previously if I wanted to go and talk about the things that I wanted to I'd have to go to individual schools or assemblies now I can make one video and get up to you know a reach of anywhere between 2,000 and a million of my audience um, and I find that really satisfying it's a different form of content as well. So you can have fun with TikTok and you can, you know, do all these these TikTok dances, which I, I'm afraid to say I've done. Does that feature on your platform? It does. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a, I've really, I'm a trend, you know, guru. I, I try and I, I really stay on top of things and and uh, do, do whatever it takes to make the content engaging because it can be quite dry sometimes. Um, so it's a way of making it really fun as well, I think. I'm going to have to look at these after we're finished recording this. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I suppose, I mean, would you refer to that as a as a side hustle? I would refer. I mean, yeah, absolutely, a side hustle, something that's sustainable to my day job. I probably spend on average five minutes a day on it, um, and I just I think it's great, and I, I think it's never been easier to, for anyone to start a side hustle. And if I can do it. Um, as I say, zero social media experience starting, then I really think anyone can do it. So that's something that's obviously been empowered through technology. Um, how do the rest of you feel about the, the side hustle affecting your relationship with an employer in the traditional sense? Do you feel like side hustles have become um, a much more legitimate way of building a career versus maybe that kind of traditional relationship with an employee where it's nine to five and you you kind of go to the workplace or the office and, and that's it i would say they're great for now but my only reservation about side hustles that solely rely on tech and social media to thrive is the sustainability of it your career is probably more secure than a career online. I know many might disagree with that, but again, it's like peaks and troughs online, what's trending, what's not. Things are becoming really oversaturated online. Everyone thinks they can do what the next person is doing. My concern is the security and like sustainability of a career online. Mm. I agree. And because a lot of the time, loads of people that grow an audience on TikTok, that audience doesn't necessarily transcend to other social media platforms like Instagram, for example. And there's 
a consensus that when celebrities can, they can post whatever they want on any social media and they will get followings and they will automatically have the opportunities. Whereas somebody that might put lots of lots of work into something like TikTok, they, if TikTok now goes down, they'll have to start fresh again on another platform. Do you guys know out of interest, you know, apart from social media, anyone in, in your peer group with side hustles that are, you know, relatively successful? Not so many. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, thought it, I, I felt like everyone had one, but yeah. maybe not. Yeah. Um, I studied entrepreneurship at university, and so I guess from that quite specific network, have a few friends who've gone down different avenues. Um, one classmate started a sort of sustainable cabin business um, with his cousin, which wow. seems to be really great. Um, and I, I understand what you're saying. A lot of the time, the avenues for entrepreneurship opportunities now seem to be very, very tech-focused. But there's certainly still instances where that's not the case that I've I come across. I think they hit the nail on the head with that one, definitely. Yeah. Um, so thinking about your relationship with tech a bit more broadly then, we've kind of touched on what that means maybe for having like a, a side job. But thinking about how you see that relationship compared to that of maybe um, people in other generations, so maybe kind of family members or even kind of colleagues at work? I think we're quite like a text-heavy generation. My favourite form of communicating with people is to just text them, whereas I, I have a very big family and everyone else's favourite mode of communication is phone calls. Mm -hmm. And it's like texting you can do in between the job, in between anything else you have going on, whereas phone calls require time like for you to sit and, like, you know, dedicate the time to communicate with them over the phone. So I guess that's, that's a struggle I have with like communication, especially because we're all like in different parts of the country. Um, so like visiting isn't always an option. So phone calls are like, you know, keep it personable. You've got FaceTime. It's like the time. I feel like we, for some reason, as a generation seem to always be in a rush. We always have things to do. We just always go, go, go. And because of that, texting just makes life so much easier. But that's not what works for like our parents, our grandparents, our aunties, for example. Um, that's just something I've noticed with me in particular anyway. Yeah, actually, I have to say I would agree with that. Yeah. So I did my first ever FaceTime call with my parents when we went into lockdown. They'd never even touched FaceTime <laughs> before. And I was like, parents, you can like see my face. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think absolutely like different, different generations, I think, do have different um levels of love for old school kind of phone calls and, and that kind of thing but yeah so Ran, would you agree with that that different generations have a different relationship with technology yeah yeah and I can kind of comment on that from just growing up and I think I remember when dial-up was still a thing and the awful noise it used to make do you do you guys have do you remember dial-up exactly it's, it's a horrible <laughs> noise that I won't repeat right now um and so I've kind of I've got I've got certain stages of, of technology going, uh, you know, through the ages or how it's developed and really basic things. It dawned on me yesterday that my life is so much easier than 10 years ago. I did my self-assessment tax return yesterday through oh, a dear. company. Yeah, I know. So I, exactly. I dreaded it. I absolutely dreaded it. Um, and I even tried to do it myself through through the classic portal. And then I found a bit of technology that literally I could take a photo of things and it linked in with the uh, the system and it just made everything, it took about half an hour. It was so incredibly simple. Five years ago, I couldn't do that. 10 years ago, I couldn't do that. Same with like 
being able to set up a website, we've got stuff like Wix and Squarespace and plenty of other providers that you no coding experience, you can just make a website, boom, it's there. 10 years ago, I don't th really think you could do that in the same way. Accounting, even personal use accounting software, it's all really cheap now and so accessible. And for me, it just makes my life so much easier. I don't know if, I guess all this stuff is, is just like standard practice for you guys. Um, whereas uh, for me, it's always a, a marvel, <laughs> basically. No, absolutely. I would, def I would definitely agree with that. Um, one thing I'd be interested to hear about is where would you as uh, Gen, Z Gen Zers or on the cusp of being a Gen Zer, um, where do you get your news from? Like, where do you go to consume news and information? Because for me, I'd go to a kind of traditional news outlet website or I mean maybe even occasionally treat myself to a physical newspaper but I know that's a bit old hat now but I'd be really interested to hear is that where you would go or would you go to somewhere like social media for example so may I can see you shaking your heads I'm gonna ask you um, I can't remember the last time I picked up a newspaper but <laughs> definitely TikTok Twitter and just Instagram, social media, there's so many pages that are traditional like e-magazines that have um, a social media presence and they'll just do a post and summarize it in one square like a headline, which can lead to a lot of fake news spreading. But as an initial like information source, it's always nicer for me to see something visual rather than a block of text. So I always go to those channels. Like I was saying, um, I live in Yorkshire and I wanted, my dad came up and I wanted to give him like the best things to do in Yorkshire. Instead of typing it in on Google, I would type it in on TikTok. And then it's someone showing me a video of them in the place and you can see it in a more visual way. So actually something that's more engaging, something that's a bit more bite-sized yeah. and like going back to that accessibility as well, I suppose. Um, Eleanor, I'll ask you as well, where would you go? Are you some sort of similar approach or a bit different? Um, I think I'm a bit more boring and I just go to a typical news outlet, so something like the BBC, um, and that's kind of part of my morning routine, I think. When I open up my laptop, that's one of the first things I sort of look at with my emails. Um, but yeah, I, I understand why it could be a bit more interesting to have something visual. It's just not something I've gotten used to yet. So, Sloma, you mentioned there the uh, one of the downsides, so the potential for disinformation or misinformation spreading. So I'd be interested to explore some of those maybe downsides of Gen Z's relationship with tech, maybe things about privacy concerns or kind of sharing information online, um, what your approaches are to that. Um, Shadi, I might turn to you first. Like, what, What's your approach to your, your digital footprint? Um, I keep my profiles private. Um, I always have, I've been very hyper aware of like, not necessarily my digital footprint, but just security reasons like online. You grow up, I mean, in high school, you hear a lot of things happening and things spreading online, all this stuff, so you don't want to be a victim of that. Like, so just the less you have online, the better. Um, so I've always kept my, my socials private. Um, and I think by keeping my platforms in terms of who's following me, etc., it's only people that I know in real life most, 99% of the time, people I work with, and I've had loads of jobs, so like I, you accumulate loads of people over time. But then I also do this thing where I have like cleaning sprees. So eventually I'll just go and be like, 
uh, like not not blocking, but it's like this thing called like soft blocking. So it's like you block and unblock. So then it's just not following you anymore, basically. So I, I have those nice kind of tidy sprees every now and then. Um, but I just keep very private socials and um, I don't say or do anything absurd online that would, you know, haunt me in the future. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So actually, I'd say that maybe goes against the stereotype of Gen Z just being comfortable with sharing their entire lives online. So yeah, really, really interesting to hear. Don't get me wrong. I talk into the black hole on Twitter, but only for my <laughs> 10 followers right, <laughs> <laughs> on a locked account. <laughs> yeah. And I think just another to, to add to that, when I was a, a teacher, it was really great to see that that was actually a, a, in the curriculum as a PSHE lesson. Whereas when I was at school, it, it wasn't really, it was just the, the birth of social media as it were. So everyone was kind of working it out. So I think it's great that, I don't know if that had an influence on you as well, what was taught at school? I think it was becoming something that we were taught in school because of incidents that had occurred. Mm. By that point, it was more, let's try and stop this from happening again and like some form of damage control but the damage was already done and a lot of people's lives were ruined and yeah. you know like a lot of trauma um so it was definitely eye-opening as like a 13 14 year old seeing these things happening and literally just because we all had access to the internet we all had like smart you know blackberries were the thing back then so like smartphones with cameras and yeah just mm -hmm. uh, so it is something that implemented whilst i was in school but not necessarily something we were taught to prevent that kind of stuff happening, yes, which again comes from, I guess, the fact that it didn't exist before and it wasn't necessarily considered an issue before suddenly everyone had a smartphone at 12 years old. <laughs> yeah. so, so sort of seeing it firsthand yeah. was, a, was a lesson in kind of what you yeah. were comfortable with doing. Um, and Eleanor and, and Slime, do you have a similar approach? Are you, are you kind of uh, digital shadows as it were, <laughs> or do you, do you, are you a bit more open with what you, what you, what you put online? I think I'm more open everything I have is public. I do have some private channels, but I I prefer to just like open it up to everyone because I feel like I have so much to share in terms of opportunities and I love connecting with people. But I also see the dangers of that as well, especially with geotagging, um, the ability to now put your location when you take a picture. Um, on loads of social media, I remember, I think you were speaking about it before, but loads of people tend to geotag when they leave a location, just in case, like somebody, um, somebody like with bad intentions sees that post. I don't really have that fear. Like we were taught about it in school, but it never made me scared because I just see like, oh yeah, something bad could happen, but at the same time, this is just how it's been. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think thinking about like geotagging and being able to show your location in the sort of, I guess the way you described could be quite a scary thing or a bad thing, but something I really love is like being able to do find my friends. So if you're on your phone, being able to have in the background something monitoring where you are with a very particular group of people. And I think that's something that's made me feel a lot safer moving to a new city, knowing that if something was to happen, my friends would know where I am or, or vice versa. Yeah, so I suppose both sides of the coin, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, would would or have any of you do a digital detox? Have you ever tried to kind of be offline for for a bit, or is that actually is it too integrated into your lives to to kind of have that have that break? Do you think? 
I think outside an ordinary scenario of your everyday working life, something I really love is to try and be off my phone. So if I'm on holiday, I deliberately don't try and buy like data packets. So I can't use um, any internet or 3G um, and really just take that as a special opportunity to put my phone away. But otherwise, I think in my normal life, just with the job I do and the way that I connect with my friends, it's, it, it almost feels like that would be impossible. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I'm literally the, I need a digital detox because I, I get so hooked. I've got two phones. I've got my work phone and I've got my personal phone. And obviously being on these social, you know, doing these, it can be really addictive when you're looking at the, you know, the, the engagement and whatever. I've tried, I've got rid of all notifications on my phone now. That's my, not a digital detox, but it's a way of not constantly right. being, monitoring it i guess but i do need a digital detox i've got a holiday coming up in morocco so maybe i can do it then same wait oh yeah where's oh, our yeah. You go? We detox together yeah okay yeah. um van i'm curious as someone who didn't really use social media much before or didn't really consume much content from the platforms how has that changed now that you've got your business uh yeah a lot uh, particularly on i i now i try to I try to use it as a tool as much as possible to kind of get, you know, build, build my following or, or keep my following engaged. Um, so I, I look, I try to look at videos to get better with my videos. So if someone's done something really cool or they've got really nice lighting or they've done or something. Great dance. Yeah, great <laughs> dance, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, I try to, uh, you know, take bits and pieces that I like. That's that's what I'd like in reality. I then go start scrolling and I just see dog videos. The algorithm knows I love dog videos. And so I'd say I consume a lot more social media content than I did previously because I'm in, in that world now, I guess. I mean, there are some great dog videos out there as well. So that's so good. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. Um, <laughs> okay, so moving away from dog videos, in we're obviously here in our place of work. So I suppose my next question would be, what implications do you think all of this has for the workplace? Um, have you found there were benefits to tech in the workplace? Are there challenges that you found with the use of technology? I'd be, yeah, particularly interested to hear maybe from you, Eleanor, given that you joined during COVID, is that right? Yeah, so September 2021, so kind of just um, at the tail end, I guess, of, of lockdowns and restrictions. Um, so I think I've had quite an interesting start to work in the sense that actually I've never experienced a nine to five job in its typical form where you'd be in the office or on client site every day. Instead, I have a bit of a mixed week where some days I'll work from home and then some days I will come in. Um, something I think well, I guess thinking back to even this morning, a really great example of where I've been able to benefit from working remotely is that we had workshops starting at the UK time of 7 a.m. and I would not have wanted to be up um, in the office for then. Um, but I guess looking at that from a different angle, something I really missed is a bit more face time, a bit more interaction with clients. Um, and so I'm conscious that that's perhaps a bit of a gap in the way that I've been able to develop. Um, so certainly advantages and disadvantages. Yeah, and maybe um, Sloane might ask you joining as a TDA. So you're sort of one foot in university and one foot in the world of work. How have you found kind of the use of technology in the workplace and was it what you expected? 
it was definitely not what I expected. I didn't realize how virtual it would be. But yeah, I joined right during COVID. So my whole uni experience and work experience was online. And I think I made the most of it because I didn't know any better. Like I didn't know that, for example, university, you're supposed to go into lectures. And I didn't know that in work, you're supposed to have meetings in person. For me, it was made sense for it to be online, like saves like traveling time and everything. So I feel like because I've gotten used to it, I didn't really see any negative implications until everything started opening up and we started meeting people in person. I was like, wow, this is different. Like this is more enjoyable. Yeah. So I suppose it's, it's advantages and disadvantages and just trying to maximize that as much as possible. Um, yeah, Shadi and Ram, what about um, your perspectives on, on this in the workplace? I, th I think there's a massive uh, interesting opportunity that I can kind of see across all social media platforms. I know that I've been talking about social media a lot. I guess it's more my area, but across LinkedIn, across TikTok, across Instagram, whatever, for uh, businesses to, A, I guess, recruit uh, specifically young people or, or target demographics to whatever uh, social media platform it is. Um, so, so as a recruitment drive, but also potentially to sell as well, sell more, even B2B or business to business sales um, is there's a big opportunity to increase business brand presence, empower employees to start to get on um, all the social media channels more and start to give their thought leadership and what they think and I guess become mini influences in their own space to, to, to build a brand decentralizing marketing in a way. Um, and I know that's something that PwC at the moment are, are working on. Um, and we've got a coaching program actually that I'm running internally to upskill people in how to do that. Um, and I think that's really exciting. And Shadi, I know one thing that we touched on when we were having a conversation before we got into the studio was actually around some of the benefits in terms of accessibility when it comes to technology. Yeah, um, so like I think I, so I graduated in 2019 and then I did an internship in central government. Everyone was in the office then. This was like just before lockdown and everything. And then I started my next role in like within in lockdown. So then I had the whole like full virtual experience as well. Um, and I think the benefit of technology is it allows for us to do our jobs from anywhere a lot of the time, depending on obviously the, the, the rules of the company. So it gives us that flexibility if there's like, you know, family emergencies, like whatever it is, you always have that flexibility to be able to be present at your job or be present where you're needed because we had a tech to, you know, with us, like, you know, people didn't have laptops before really 2018, 2019 that they could take outside of the office. There's so many benefits to the technology of, we can spend all day talking about the downsides, but I think there's so many positives to see in the fact that we have the flexibility, it's really accessible. To the degree, obviously, again, it's questionable. However, it's, again, allowing a platform and a space and a room for people to grow, develop, and go into something that maybe wasn't necessarily available to them before. Um, so, yeah. So maybe moving on to, I suppose, a, a sort of final question around looking to the future and how technology is evolving and how our relationships with technology evolve. Um, what do you anticipate that might look like in the future when it comes to the workplace in particular? Like, I know you don't have crystal balls, so it is a, it is a difficult one to answer, but what, what are your kind of estimates in terms of what that might look like? Does anybody, anybody have any ideas? I think there's gonna be more choice. So I grew up um, when 
like the first smartphones were coming out like i had a brick phone and i remember everybody started getting smartphones and every year they would change and become significantly more and more different so every year people were upgrading and it was like a race like oh do you have the newest one and then now since smartphones like they're not evolving as quickly it's kind of like plateaued just slightly maybe there'll be a new innovation but now people are able to make more choice like i don't need the newest one if this one does everything i need or for example i've seen lots of people switching out wireless headphones for wired ones because you don't need to charge them and it's easier to find and the music quality is better and me personally i had a smart watch and i switched it for an analog watch because i just felt like i was looking at too much technology mm -hmm. and i didn't want to have to now charge have another thing to charge for example so in the past i feel like people would like try and stay on the trend of getting the newest technology but now we can make choices between technology and not so you think we might basically we might become a bit more selective yeah. in the technology we use and how we use it and not feel like there's a huge rush to have the next the next big thing something yeah. kind of more incremental incremental changes um would would the rest of you agree with that or do you have a different a different idea on what the what the future might look like I feel, I feel like, so, yeah, and I think there's exactly that there's going to be certain things that people go a bit more analog on, like podcasts, are, which we're recording now. Hello. My goodness, meta. <laughs> um, it's uh, that that's almost like uh, it's back to almost back to radio in a way. So you could make an argument that that's slightly less digital. Um, but I, I, two areas that I'm really interested in is metaverse, uh, sorry, metaverse or more generally VR, this arms race between VR and AR, virtual reality and augmented reality, and which ones, I think it's in the next 10 years, it's, it's almost, you know, we can definitely say that that is gonna play some part in the workplace, whether it's through virtual meetings or, you know, I don't know, glasses with, certain information on you, uh, for you before meetings or something, I don't know, but uh, I'm, I'm not an expert in the field, but it feels inevitable that something's gonna happen there, doesn't it? The only question I have about it is, is it necessary? Like, do, do we have to follow all these changes that are, I guess, being not pushed on us, but like we're seeing it everywhere else. And I, I wonder if employers need to kind of follow these trends or go with the way technology is going. Because I feel like if things are, like, you know, the, the old classic saying, if it's not broken, you don't need to fix it, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> things are okay now. I don't know if we need to adopt all these new things to just basically continue doing what we're already doing every day. Yeah, for the um, sake of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. literally. Yeah. So yeah. I agree, because during COVID, as as in the COVID year, one of the things they trialed on us was three, like, virtual reality university. So you go into the, the platform to have your lectures but like you're a person and like you can speak to your friends in like a virtual way so it's like you're there but it just didn't feel real like I know everybody else would just prefer to go into the lecture hall or do an online lecture it just felt like very clunky and like forced like they were trying to make it seem like the real life experience but no one was really taken to it like why can't we just have real life experiences why does everything have to be a replica like a replica of real life we're here we're real let's yeah. just have real life um yeah that's my only concern with the, the way tech is evolving in the workforce outside of work it's just like let's just live now in the real in the physical you know 
Um, and I think for me, it's it's just going to be a sort of, I guess, exciting 10 years. You never could have anticipated the changes from when I was like 14 to now. Um, and I think coming with that for like with a work perspective, um, I don't know what my career will look like in 10 years time. You can have some loose goals and ambitions, but what I could be doing 10 years from now could be totally different from today. Yeah, absolutely. There's always that element of the unknown, isn't there? Um, and I think actually the point, the point you're making about not innovation for innovation's sake, but just identifying opportunities where it can add real value to what we already have. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's a great that's a great takeaway. Um, so yeah, I think I think we're about out of time now, but that's been such an enjoyable discussion. Thank you all so much for joining me. Um, and listeners, I hope you found it as insightful as well and eye-opening too. Um, and do make sure you join us for the second instalment of the Gen Z episode as well when that's released. Thank <music> you.